This podcast recorded before a live studio audience. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Landon. Questionable guide to life. I'm just saying <laughs> nobody wants to get cucked in a Popeye's. <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you you're absolutely right. So, we've we've had an interesting past week. Oh yes. It's been a week. It's as far as I know, as far as I and my understanding of time goes. Um I learned uh I learned something pro Minecraft players don't know. Um the legal age to sleep with someone is 18. Um, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) the legal age to sleep with someone is 18 got him (laughs) well i mean it's hard to i think it's hard to understand how society works when you live in like a no bed two bath house and one of the beds is a piss bottle Um, (laughs) yeah you just fall asleep, like, pissing in a bottle, like, yelling at someone online. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah. Minecraft players are going to be pissed at me. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's okay, because half of them are 12 and don't listen to podcasts. Well, see, the best part is they can't get mad at me because I'm wrong. <laughs> they can be mad about it being wrong. <laughs> exactly. You're spitting Gaia facts up in here. Exactly. I mean... That's our new thing now. Whenever something is just so true, you can't ignore it. That's on Gaia, my guy. On Gaia. <laughs> that's for those people that like don't like spiral pasta because it's too fast. It makes on them dizzy. Gaia. <laughs> on Gaia. <laughs> we got an email from, from Gaia. Um, not directly related to the podcast, but I mean, I know they listened. They definitely did. Um, but I, I was in an arcade with some buddies. I went to old, old Davey B's, Dave and Buster's. And I get this email while I'm there. And it's like, do you believe in Bigfoot? And I had to, like, I immediately sent it to Johnny, but then I put my phone away because I was like, I can't do this right now. i'm too too inebriated to let gaia this deep into my life right now it's like duh (laughs) what else is new (laughs) another email that i got actually um reminded me of a story that (laughs) that you don't actually know about johnny because it was um from before we were ever uh friends or like ever even knew of each other i am now in the top 30 percent of reviewers on google oh snap and there's a reason for that i used to one day i was scrolling through my facebook feed and i was like man i'm getting a lot of weird ads and i was like what if i just try to either get rid of my ads altogether or give myself the weirdest possible ads and so, <laughs> yeah, I, so I, I initially launched this at, uh, it was a pizza place actually. And the intention going into this 
was okay i'm gonna get i'm gonna get blocked by these people so i'll never get their ads again and eventually <laughs> like it it kind of backfired on me because people started uh tagging me in ads to respond to and i so i had to make the the ads increasingly outlandish because it was becoming like a known thing that i did this and so <laughs> the second one i did i tried to like really go in on and it was hygienic sink and <laughs> in the uh in the little video it's showing them wash all the like all the mud off of a carrot and a corn on the cob and i so i leave my review dear hygienic sink I couldn't manage to clean nearly all the extensive amount of feces off of my elongated vegetables as shown in the video using my new at hygienic sink attachment. Do you think this is an issue of your product or an issue of diet on my part with love Landon? <laughs> and I, I got blocked by hygienic sink and I was like, all right, I'm not done. I, I am. I'm achieving my goal. So like there was, uh, there was at one point a a law ad that I saw about jewels when they were trying to like really ban jewels, and so I so I went, dear Morgan and Morgan, after reading your ad and seeing how cool the kids look in your example pictures, I decided to purchase a jewel. On the first hit, I immediately became enraged and started hitting members of my family and became enveloped in an even more murderous rage. So with further consideration and a good 200 more hits, both to the jewel and my family, I've decided to take part in your lawsuit with love. Both to my jewel and, <laughs> and my, my family. family. <laughs> the next one became um, the point where I started referring to past products from reviews that hadn't banned me yet from like viewing the <laughs> Facebook page. So like I just tried super hard to like get myself like a cross banned, I suppose. So I did this one on super gloves. Um, this is where they started getting like much longer and much more like intricate. So it goes, Dear Super Gloves. That's how I always start it. And I always put Dear Super Gloves TM. Like, I always trademark whatever I'm talking about. <laughs> it is with great displeasure that I must leave a mixed review. While I was not overjoyed to receive my Super Gloves in a box filled with motor oil, I understand that you must keep your Super Gloves TM finely oiled. My Super Gloves TM shattered the window to my grandfather's front door splendidly, allowing for a clean break and enter. However... In my usual fashion, upon entering the home, I slipped in a puddle of urine, slamming myself into the dryer. Luckily, my super gloves helped me brace for the fall. It was at this time that I heard my grandfather's PTSD kickstart. A wild scream that one could only imitate in the darkest of horror movies met the hallways like a fart in a funnel. Grandfather was thundering towards me. I'm grateful that I had my super gloves TM on, but unfortunately, I cannot say much for the padding of the super gloves. For they shattered whilst rocking grandfather's jaw. I managed to steal all of his toilet paper as planned, but I'm not pleased that my super gloves TM did not last for more than one break-in. With love. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's one where I like I think I cross-referenced five reviews um or five different companies and three of them blocked me. 
<laughs> but this whole thing totally backfired because I ended up getting tagged in more ads than I even had before. <laughs> By people who you don't even fucking know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was just an ad that popped up on my like on my feed initially, and I was annoyed by it. So I start leaving these reviews, and now people are tagging me in ads I would never have seen. Like there was like the <laughs> Thursday sports had one uh, for like the shorts, and I think I yeah I I did like a little tongue twister here. Like dear Thursday sports. <laughs> After wearing your Thursday shorts while playing Thursday sports, I must say I'm quite impressed. I've been looking for a pair of long shorts of the Thursday variety that did not pull at my waistline while connecting a killer knee to my wife's jawline. And these did just the trick. They pair quite well with my tap-out <laughs> shirt and Oakley sunglasses that allowed me to yell at my children in public places. And so many pockets for cigarettes. Disclaimer, you may not wear Thursday shorts the previous or following day, as these are not Wednesday shorts or Friday shorts from Thursday sports. I was informed of this as I put them on and my body was completely incinerated on contact with love. Landon. <laughs> Dude, that, that last review was blasting five finger death punch at max volume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tap out shirt, the Oakley's, the uh, Thursday shorts. <laughs> yelling at my kids, man. Dude, and, uh, it's all right. It's right. I'm convinced that Facebook ads think that I am geriatric. Um, oh, yeah. 100%. They're just like, dude, you're old. Just be old, okay? Because, like, I this these are the ads I get. Like, I look, look at a lot of skateboarding shit online, obviously. So I get, like, old bones therapy, like, knee brace ads that are like, hey, man, we know your knees suck. So here's some compression for you. And then I'll scroll down like three pages down a couple couple posts later and it's like, yo, bro, you should take goalie. You should take goalie, bro. You need this apple cider vinegar in your life you say because goalie? you're old. Yes. I get goalie ads so Donnie, much. I did a uh I did a goalie um review at one time. Oh Lord. <laughs> yeah, and it was like these stress ball things um, that you chew on. And I did not refer to them by their company name. But dear stress balls, <laughs> it is with much concern that I inform you of my experience with your balls. I do not feel that this product is up to par with other products and that when I ate one, I immediately turned around and killed someone. I've not been filled with such rage since getting addicted to a jewel because of the cool kids from the at Morgan and Morgan PA advertisements. My balls <laughs> were under a considerable amount of stress and your product did not alleviate said stress. In fact, they have grown many times their normal size since taking these. I've been informed that these may be separate issues, but as a consumer, I'm always correct and reserve the right to get angry and make counter accusations. I have forwarded the medical and funeral bills for the man I killed while taking your products to the appropriate sources with love landed. It's always with love. Why is this a thing? Why why <laughs> Yeah, these are all uh I did these all on Facebook. Um and then I stopped posting them after a while, but I still do them actually. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I don't know. <laughs> Like where where do I even go from there? Because that's just like like we should just call it now like the questionable guide to advertising. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this 
This podcast sponsored by Super Gloves. Um. <laughs> I wish. I need to get me a new pair. They broke on Grandpa's jaw. <laughs> Grandpa saw Vietnam, but he didn't expect Super Gloves to come his way. This podcast <laughs> sponsored by Vietnam. <laughs> Fortunate uh, Son starts playing slowly in the background. Yeah, not the country, <laughs> the war. <laughs> just, just dude oh so speaking of fortunate son i have made it a habit of if i ever join a public lobby for call of duty warzone now i have my spotify on my phone ready to go and when i load in and we're in the plane and we're like the plane crests the the cloud at the starting animation immediately out of my microphone these random dudes just hear <laughs> and then I start singing it at maximum volume in my my best Creedence Clearwater revival impression. And I'm just like, some folks bound made the way of the flag. <laughs> I still think we have we have sung little enough of that to legally use all of it. Oh yeah. <laughs> because because it it's not 15 seconds of the song uh yeah. it might be 15 seconds total that we have used clip it, clips of that song but it's the same clips it's the same three seconds you know a joke <laughs> we might have to cut what i was walking down the hall the other day in in a hospital there was a guy in a wheelchair and he asked me to help him get up and he says he's a paraplegic i said i don't know what that has to do with math but okay and I left. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking of Pythagoras, my guy. <laughs> Some guy saying he's a parallelogram over there. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. God, that Christopher Reeves guy was annoying. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny, I have to tell you about my experience with a Buddhist wedding. I this is a story I had forgotten about until yesterday um, when I saw my my like group of friends that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, and I I was like, you know, what's something ridiculous that you guys remember really fondly? And they brought up our friend Brandon's wedding. And this wedding, it's crazy because it was at a Buddhist temple. But the crazy part was that it, it it was in the same town I went to high school in, and I had never even heard of this place. Didn't even know it existed, but it was around the corner from, like, someone's house I had been to. And it was an entire just Buddhist temple tucked away in Podunk-ass Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, and so, you know, I'm thinking, like, okay, so I, I don't know how to dress for a Buddhist wedding, so... You know, maybe like dress casual, more a button up and like some jeans. And <laughs> when we get there, we stop outside the gates and like we, we smoke a cigarette. And when we're going in, all of the boys meet me and my friend Nathan, who is also dressed all like, you know, casual, like business casual, I guess. And they're all wearing suits. <laughs> they're all in suits. <laughs> I was like, okay, tight. Tight. So this was clearly something I should have been dressed formally for. So oh yeah, we walk in, um, and there are people there. So there's like 
two kinds of ushers essentially from like and and one of them are just people that don't speak and they just kind of point when you ask them questions um and the other sort of layer of them was just people that are like hey you got to take your shoes off before you go in there um <laughs> into the the little chapel thing but if you had to find a bathroom you walk up to like the the buddhist people um little monk guys and you're like bathroom and they just like slowly point just a real slow arcing point and i'm like okay cool that's vague i'll find it at some point um, <laughs> i'll just i'll just use the almighty siddhartha to guide my way <laughs> yeah um and uh me and nathan end up sitting like near our friends but we were like joking the entire time i don't know why we were so giggly we were completely sober, but we sit down and we immediately notice that for the past like well, 30, 45 minutes, we've been sitting here waiting on things to get started. There's been this tiny little Buddhist monk boy that's been just like banging like li- real lightly on this gong just like the whole time. <laughs> just like, but he was mumbling it and like. So you could like barely hear it. And I was like, Nathan, should I ask for this kid's mixtape? And they said it a little too loud. Then someone on the other side of the audience, like the uh the bride's guests, they mm-hmm. laughed at it. And I was like, oh man, I said that too loud. Um, and then while the <laughs> and our friend Kyle in front of us, the whole time we kept cracking jokes, he was like, guys. Like guys, come on! And he he was laughing. He was trying not to laugh, but he was like, "This is someone's wedding. Come on!" And while the ceremony is going on, um, (laughs) we notice, like, we start looking around, and I lean into Nathan, and I was like, "Have you noticed that, like, they kind of tried to do bowls of fruit, but like, it's just a bowl of really big oranges?" And so we we started looking around, and we noted that there were several bowls of oranges. That were just it was just big oranges, <laughs> and, and I was like, "Do they? Do you think he's gonna make them eat a whole orange to like sort of consummate the marriage?" And Nathan leans into me and said, "Do you think they eat the wrapper?" <laughs> I was immediately like, I had to stifle my fucking laughter because I just heard someone describe the peel of a big ass orange as the wrapper, and I was like. <laughs> just fucking <laughs> losing it <laughs> and this whole fucking time oh i need i couldn't even tell what he was saying like this little boy whole ceremony don't know how he didn't get tired i admire his stick-to-itiveness um, <laughs> also the entire wedding the uh the buddhist officiary that was overseeing the wedding and like doing their whole ceremony he called brandon the groom brian the entire time (laughs) the whole time he called him brian and then at like the last thing he said at this wedding was oh i'm so sorry it is brandon and and so uh we just started calling brandon brian every now and then (laughs) and like at the the little uh reception afterwards um we all did a cheers to brian (laughs) (laughs) 
speaking speaking of hilarious things that involve foreign culture. So I was on a rotation uh, called Atlantic Resolve for the Army that was like a UN mission in Poland, right? And uh, there was a brief stint where we were in Romania. And we decided we were going to take a day trip out to see Dracula's castle. And we basically like rented this taxi cab for the day, right? But the guy pulls up in his taxi cab and the guy just gets out like Sylvester Stallone, like just freaking jacked but he looks like liam neeson right like in the face it's like liam neeson like i have a very particular set of skills and it's driving this cab to braun castle like straight up liam neeson so the whole time we were just calling him romanian liam neeson um but like so like he like goes to drive us out there or whatever and like i don't know if you know this but romanian people absolutely fucking hate gypsy like like romani gypsies so like we would we would like drive past like Romani gypsy camps and like like the guy like you could tell he was trying to hold it in because we're like foreigners or whatever. But like every time he would pass one, you just hear him under his breath, fucking gypsies. Like, you know, like he would like say it under his breath and you're like, Jesus Christ, man. Wow. Like, like, <laughs> in the name of all that is holy, please be nice to these people. Like we, we're here visiting both cultures. But we get out to Broncastle, right? And like, it, I don't know if you know, like, the history of like Braun Castle or whatever, but it's like it's called Dracula's Castle. But like we were so disappointed because it's not Dracula like the way Dracula had it when it was like under his control. Some like Romanian like or like German or like Romanian like princess purchased the castle and like redecorated the whole thing. Oh, and and made it super pretty. Yeah, and like added a door oh. to the side of it or whatever. I'm like, this is the the only castle in Europe that was never taken by force, and like you ruined it. So like, and we're all super, it. <laughs> and we're all super disappointed. But we left the cab driver behind because he's paying to go castle. I've seen this thing a million times. So like, we get back from Broncastle, and the guy is fucking hammer drunk, right? Our cab driver is hammer oh. drunk. So, but. We still get in the cab with the guy. <laughs> oh, okay. and now we're in a now we're in a cab with a drunk racist Romani cab driver. <laughs> All right, yeah, this this amplifies things like by like ten. Oh, dude, and he is no longer saying stuff under his breath. He is going <laughs> under his breath in. becomes like saying it till he's exasperated. He is going in on gypsy culture, like just like calling them dogs, all sorts of stuff. And then randomly, he just like veers off. Right? Like he like stops taking us to our destination, and we end up like stopping at some like Romani like food festival in like the middle of nowhere, where they've got like carnival rides and like all this Romani food. And we're like, all right, cool. We're just gonna we're just gonna eat this Romanian food, I guess. <laughs> and like, I see not like two minutes later after he eats at this place, he's like stark sober oh. again. I was like, dude, you are a legend. You just like, I want some your Romani liver. food. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, and then. <laughs> Same deployment later on. Uh, so I had this roommate um, that he was like super Mexican, right? And uh, mm-hmm. but he like when he got drunk, he got weird. You know what I'm saying? Like super weird. So he had just binge watched like all of White Collar. Okay. I don't know if you've seen like the finale of White Collar, but he does this like you know like Jesus T pose and like falls back into water, right? Like that's like kind of like yeah. the like climax scene. But like so like. We're out drinking, right? And this guy just like randomly decides that 
FBI is on his tail while he's shit-faced uh, in Romania. Okay. And we're in the town of Fagarash, which if you, don't, if you know anything about Romania, in the town of Fagarash, a castle in the center of the town that is surrounded by a moat. So this guy takes off running from us, right? Like, fearing for his life, full-out sprinting, right? And he gets to the moat, takes his shoes off, takes his shirt off, is, like, down to his fucking boxers, like, keeps <laughs> running, turns around, looks us in the eye, winks, and then Jesus and just poses <laughs> into the water. White collar <laughs> And starts swimming to the castle, gets about halfway and gets tired. <laughs> So <laughs> we're all like feeling it anymore. So like this other dude who's like the like one of our friends is like fuck. I gotta swim in and save his ass now. He's like struggling to get his shoes off. And but around this time, like so, the cops. So he's drunk as shit too. Oh yeah, he's like struggling to get his shoes off. And I then gotta he, save him. And then luckily, <laughs> luckily he turns around and he comes back and he makes it back. But the Romanian cops show up and they're like. They're like, this is not acceptable. Like, we, like, like, somebody is going to get in trouble for this. So we pay them off in true American fashion. Uh, we gave them an exorbitant amount. Like, we gave them like a hundred dollars essentially, but like in Romania, that's a fuck ton of money. So, like, we gave them like a hundred Romani dollars and we, we put this guy in a cab with the guy who was going to swim in after him and they like drive back in their own cab or whatever. And then we get back and we hear the story of what happened in the cab on the way back. So he still thinks oh, the no. FBI is after him. Right? Like he's still like locked into this like I am a white collar criminal. The FBI is coming to get me, right? <laughs> so I guess halfway through the drive, the the cabbie said something suspicious or something, and he like grabs the guy's seatbelt and is like strangling him with his own seatbelt while he's oh driving him. God, and they they had to drop another hundred dollars to keep that cab driver from calling the cops. And they <laughs> and where we were staying. <laughs> was at the top of this like massive hill and the cab driver was like i'm not driving up the hill you're gonna walk from here so then we get back and this dude is like so dehydrated just fucked up from trying like being absolutely shit-faced trying to climb this hill dude and it's just like dude like getting back like that shit was hilarious like like every moment of that because like i had no stake in the game so i'm just laughing at my homie's mis- who had to watch this guy all day <laughs> yeah <laughs> strangles someone with a seat jeez oh oh same deployment uh same soldier we're in germany now right mm-hmm. and it, where we're staying in germany we're staying in like these massive like uh like containerized like uh buildings where like everybody's bunks are lined up in a row and they're like bunk beds and if you're lucky enough to get a bottom bunk, you build what in the army we like to like dub the whack shack. Essentially, it's like hanging sheets around your bed so that like, you know, you can have some alone time and peace, if you know what I mean. So we're like, uh, it's like the middle of the fucking day. Dude's laying in his bed, whack shack closed, right? And the NCO, like our sergeant, like his boss walks in. And it's customary procedure in the army to knock on a whack shack before you open it. But he doesn't do it. He doesn't knock. It's the middle of the day. Who would be using their whack shack in the middle of the day? So he just swings it open with that Burt Kreischer liberal arts confidence. You know, like swings it open. Dude's in the middle of just like getting down on himself. Without skipping a beat, he like looks down at at his dick, looks up at the sergeant, looks back down at his dick, looks back up, and without skipping a beat just goes... So you're going to help or what? 
Dude, this guy, this and I. This is not the first yeah. time something like this has happened on this deployment too. We were in Poland at the start of it, right? And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but when you're in Europe, like they're very like open about like sexuality and stuff in like you know public culture and stuff. So like when you go to like truck stops there, they have like uh, you know like sex toys and stuff for sale in the bathrooms for like Euro coins. So we go to this this truck stop, like we're on like a convoy or whatever. We're driving from from germany back into poland or whatever and he like he's like i gotta take a piss right so he like goes goes into the bathroom or whatever we're like all right whatever he comes out and he goes to the counter and he buys two things a lighter and one candle and we're like okay whatever <laughs> so we get back right and he like walks oh, no. in the room and like lights the candle sits it down next to his bed and we and he walks out of the room <laughs> and then you just hear the faucet running he just says Shh. And he like turns out the faucet and like he walks back in with this like this like balloon in his hand like full of water. I'm like what the hell is that? And he's like it's me time. So he goes and he gets in his wax shack. A bit, essentially, what he did was he bought a pocket pussy from a German truck stop. That's oh, what he did. And he filled it with okay. hot water. And he gets in his bunk and you like and he's like it's me time. Like turns off the lights. Like has his candle set in the mood and shit. Right. And you just hear the. Whoosh, whoosh, noise or whatever and then all of a sudden out of nowhere you just hear this blood curdling scream like calling down lord cthulhu the god coming out of this guy's like oh it's so hot because he forgot that the taps in poland came out like boiling hot when you turned on the hot water so he burned the tip of his dick <laughs> oh my god uh fucking great times though great times Jeez, that's that's amazing. Do we know of like? Do we know if the candle's been violated? Is it safe? I don't know. I don't. I I don't know. I think I I I don't. I can't speak on what happened to the candle after. Um. All right. Well, candle. I know you're listening to this. Um. Just reach out. <laughs> did he hurt you? <laughs> did he hurt you? Show what did us. You see. Show us on this other candle where the man touched you. <laughs> or show us in this other candle where the man touched you but yeah hands down funniest deployment i have ever been on because all we did was get drunk and have stories like that there are so many of those but those are like the three that are like the ones that will always stick with me and this guy like he was my roommate for like four years and he was like like there was never a dull moment with this guy because like it's just like he was just that out there as a character like i sort of got he was like he like the guy can have his own sitcom like sitcom based off of his life it's just like the shit that he did was ridiculous and now he's like a family man and he's all settled down and stuff and he's calmed down i'm like bro bring back the bring back the old guy i want to i want to party with that guy again he gets a <laughs> knock at his door one day he opens it and he's like what the fuck and then he looks down and it's a candle He's like, I have left that life behind. That is not me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we cannot keep doing this. <laughs> oh, the, door. Oh, the, the other thing was, like, he didn't speak very good English when he first got to it, right? Because he was from Baja. He was raised in Baja, California. So, like, we were teaching him, like, American slang and stuff. And it was right around the time that g Easy's You Got Me came out. So we taught him how to say, bitch, you got me fucked up, right? But oh, the way I he see. said it... The way he said it was so funny every time you heard it. Because instead of being like, bitch, you got me fucked up. He was like, bitch, 
You got me fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and like he would use it any chance he got too. Like he would say it so many times. I love just meeting people in life that are like that, that are such characters. Like my buddy Miguel is one of those characters. Like he's, you've seen a lot of the videos that I've sent um, of like, of him skating. Um, He's just, he's super talented, but he's also like one of the silliest people that I've ever met. Like we'll just go on these, like he loves bit humor. And so one day we were sitting in his room and we started talking about the concept of like gigantification, but like, like, if you were just sitting, like sitting down in your room and you start like growing rapidly, but your bones keep the same density. So (laughs) so your body just stretches out and like, and you break everything. (laughs) You just break all your bones. And this is just the kind of dumb stuff we come up with. And we came up with an entire concept of a sequel to the Bible um, <laughs> while we were on a trip to Tennessee. Um, so we start out by talking about like, you know, what if Jesus comes back, but he's like a crime fighter. And so, but, but like, he's one of those where like, like the opening scene you see this lady getting robbed and she like screams help and it's an alleyway. And then you see this figure like boost off the wall and do like a little side flip and bam, it's Jesus fucking Christ. (laughs) (laughs) And so we called the series Jesus fucking Christ. And we're like, he's back and he's mad as hell. (laughs) And, And I kept finding these pictures of like Jesus doing that, like sort of like backwards, like leap. But I would invert it so it looked like he was doing a somersault. (laughs) (laughs) And I'd send it to Miguel with, like, the Bible too. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh, oh, oh. We're going to add to this. The main villain in the plot arc is Mothsquatch. Oh, Jesus Christ versus Mothsquatch. (laughs) Teen angst versus salvation. This is a true, like... (laughs) Godzilla versus Kong level film <laughs> with with hints of gigantification. Yeah, a large a large like Megazord fight between Mosquatch and Jesus fucking Christ in like downtown Hong Kong. <laughs> I think another of the funniest things that we ever came up with was like um this was a long time ago but it was like an Italian family that pronounces Italian things wrong. they they go to like an italian restaurant and it's like this mob family the waiter like sits him down he's like really nervous he's like what can i get you and the don looks them in the eyes like i'll have the fettuccine alfredo and then he's like excuse me and the wife's like yeah uh is your lasagna good it's like lasagna and (laughs) like are you questioning me we're the spaghetti family We don't take nothing from nobody. It's like, what did you just? <laughs> and ever since, like every time I see Fettuccine Alfredo, I read it as Fettuccine Alfredo. Fettuccine Alfredo. <laughs> Wild shit from that guy. He's like one of my best friends. I just love 
wild ass characters. <laughs> what was the bit we were doing on Xbox the other day? Oh yeah, we were playing. We were playing. Yeah, we were playing the new Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance game, and we were like, we're like, dude, like, we I don't know how we fell into it, but uh, like we just started talking as Tommy Weasel, and it's now like our official voice for playing that game. So we're like playing the game. We're like, I'm a very serious. <laughs> I'm a very serious, <laughs> famous Hollywood movie star actor, and we kept talking like that. And my friend David was in the party the entire time and the entire time we were in this party. And I think we were in it for probably like six or seven hours <laughs> while we were doing this Tommy Wiseau thing. And so he got to listen to seven hours of people being like, wow, that is not very famous movie star actor thing to do. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> I am going to destroy this man. Cause I have very serious barbarian smash actor. <laughs> And then we started doing it in the in the damn in the damn XL chat. <laughs> yeah, we Cause, did because our our buddy, our Australia buddy, was having a bad day, and we're like, "It's okay. We think that you're a very serious movie star actor material." <laughs> <laughs> and then we we ended up taking that so far that like the messages just became super outlandish. <laughs> Like, me, I am going me. to very serious Hollywood super superstar movie actor party where you can meet very many of the very serious superstar movie actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so there was a level in this Dungeons and Dragons game called Verberg uh, Jamboree. And I started referring to it as like a cookout, but it's Tommy Wiesau. And so I was like, oh, very big Jamboree barbecue cookout. And... <laughs> Then we started mentioning it in that Facebook chat. And I think the last message that was sent, it was very long. If we see you at very big Jamboree barbecue cookout, maybe you will become great, very serious Hollywood superstar actor. All the very serious movie star actors will be there. So your chances of becoming a great, very serious superstar actor are supreme big chances of yours. <laughs> and then, of and course, then, I oh, posted the obligatory. Yeah. <laughs> Shoutouts to Loby McLobes for being such a champion about it. <laughs> oh man, there's so many times that we just get up to no good in that chat, and, <laughs> and those boys just deal with us. <laughs> but this is how we come up with all of the funny things we've ever like done, like straight up. Like, oh, yeah. we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have made, we wouldn't have made the the advertisements that we've made for that game if it wasn't for the dumb chats we have in those. <laughs> Oh yeah, like it, and it it can start with the most serious thing. Like someone will, this is just like not a real example, but like someone could post a picture like of a tiger, talk about the tiger, and somehow, me and Johnny, will then send like fifty messages each, <laughs> and somehow we've come up with a scenario of some crazy tiger in London, like the origin story of the name of this podcast. That is such a oh, good man. bit that we did. <laughs> we were, <laughs> I don't know how it started. But, oh, it started because Landon like came in the chat and said something and I called him Landonius, like Landonius the Great or something. I made like the most oh, Greek sounding uh, name. The Greek bit. And yeah. then 
I started um <laughs> I just started talking about how um much like Achilles, I was dipped in the river Styx, but by my ass cheeks. So that's the only that's my only weakness. And no one knows what testicles weakness is. And then Johnny comes in with the it's it's his balls. Um and I was like, that's impossible. Uh and and his then Johnny mentioned his father, uh Pedophilius, <laughs> and I was like, Pedophilius himself directly oversaw him being dipped into the river. Oh, wait a minute. Then <laughs> <laughs> we started talking about questionable things and and it became the questionable guide. Because this so is a questionable it, guide was... to Roman history. Yeah. And we were like a questionable guide to history. <laughs> and then we were like, what about a questionable guide to life? <laughs> And that so, that started this this whole podcast's name. Yeah, so that's that. Now you guys know how we named the podcast. You're like, wow, name sucks. Yeah, wow. <laughs> that's even a very good story. <laughs> but to us, it was the funniest thing in that moment for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I still find it funny. I'll be vain. <laughs> oh, dude, there's been some bits that were just complete failures, but we kept running with. Them some point they were going to be funny anyway <laughs> oh yeah like we can fix a failed bit all, all we got to do is say got him afterwards and it's suddenly funny to us mm-hmm. 100 percent. it's just <laughs> got him <laughs> maybe that speaks volumes of our character because <laughs> it's like it's like a psych nom plan essentially <laughs> yeah <laughs> Man, I made this meme a little while back that like just now got some some comments on it from people and uh I posted it on Facebook and on Reddit. On Facebook, like a bunch of people were laughing about it. Posted this on uh on Reddit and it was just this like this picture of the cover of the old Hobbit book that was a dragon um over all of this gold and the tagline above it was a day in the life of Jeff Bezos. Um, and I posted on Reddit, and there were all these people that were just like, "Oh, he's not hoarding his wealth. He's like, he's like going to space and stuff." And I, all I did was comment back, and I was like, "Are you really simping for a billionaire?" <laughs> and then they had this whole long explanation, and I responded, and I said, "Too long, didn't read." Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> Too long, didn't read. He's not gonna fuck you, bro. <laughs> oh fuck i uh, love that people will people will defend anything oh yeah oh yeah they'll defend it Dude, like i mean look at elon musk like the guy is like a walking ego and people are like but he's he's so inventive and creative amazing yeah because he tells you he is <laughs> and I'm not talking shit on Elon Musk. Like, he's done some cool shit, but it was it was for all the wrong reasons that he did cool shit. He did it because he was a rich boy who wanted to make his name out there. You know? Like he didn't do it for the right reasons. He's not like trying to change the world for the better. He's changing the world for the better so that he could be the guy who saves the world. That's all he cares about is that his name is attached to it. Uh in a in a low key kind of way. Yeah, see, I I don't really I don't know a crazy amount about elon musk um there's a lot of 
there's a lot of crazy ass conspiracy theories about him um and his like dad owning an emerald mine when he was younger or something and then oh yeah it's uh it's the whole backstory of all of his wealth that he has now came part-time yeah yeah he tweeted um about how his father didn't own an emerald mine and then i just like kept diving deeper and there's so much conflicting information on it that i'm just not sure what's actually true well you have to keep in mind that his last name is actually a very common last name in south africa like musk is a it's it's like a johnson be here uh, yeah. it's not a it's not a it's it's a south african name it's an afrikaans name so like Anybody will see the name Musk because it's not a common name here and just assume that that person is related to Elon Musk. See, I wish that... Okay, so there's, like, a couple things to this one, like, to clarify. But I do wish that I had had been um, born into a more futuristic age, um, but not, like, now. (laughs) In no way do I mean now, but in in an ideal world. because and and it's just for one reason and it's the idea of quantum entanglement so like transferring consciousness because at any time i could be a rat and like here i am in in 2021 and i like i am one anyway but uh, (laughs) (laughs) but i could be a real one and just uh, like just avoid people whenever i feel like it and i'm like you know what i think i'm gonna be a zebra today (laughs) <laughs> go to the zoo and they're like wow jolly the zebra's really acting up today he's attacked seven people <laughs> and really it's just me and i know what i'm doing i'm just mad <laughs> dude i've always dreamt of being like a resistance fighter in a cyberpunk fucking dystopia like that just sounds like a great time to me like the computers are taking over your mind man yeah living in a uh a cyberpunk like randy savage type future (laughs) yeah just just the computers mess with the cyberman i'm gonna crush you i'm gonna break your circuits and use them from scrap (laughs) you're gonna wish that skyrim never birthed you (laughs) skynet Skyrim. You know what? No, that's us. Skyrim birthed us. It's the budget Skynet. It's like the it's like the wish.com Skynet. Yeah, like not the Elder Scrolls game, but the Dollar General Skynet. And it's spelled like S K A I R E M Skyrim. Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of of uh like weird like competitiveness and like wrestling and all of that. So, uh, my unit in the army decided this week to do a competition between all of the units in like our larger parent unit of like competing in sports all week. But they weren't like normal sports per se. Like, yeah, we had football, basketball, and like, you know, soccer. But we were like, we had like a kickball tournament. And like a cornhole oh. tournament and like cornhole. an ultimate frisbee tournament <laughs> like <clears throat> and uh i was on the ultimate frisbee team right yeah. and we are just absolutely getting demolished in this game dude like we're like halfway through the first half and these guys have like eight points to r1 right <laughs> and mm-hmm. 
and we got to the end of the game and we had like come back and it ended up being like it was like 12 to like nine or something it was like the final score but like towards the end uh we were all like yeah we're losing so now everything we do whether we believe it or not we're just gonna accuse you of cheating and like we like straight up told the other team that oh so like anytime we would get near the frisbee like go to catch it and they would like intercept it so we'd be like physical contact physical contact <laughs> and stuff <laughs> like that so like and then at the end of the game at the end Was of the game <laughs> at the end of the game we're like shaking hands or whatever and they're like good game good game good game and then and then i turned around and i looked at the referee and i was like all right so when do we get the piss test results all right because i know somebody's using anabolics <laughs> <laughs> these guys then, were too good and then yesterday we were doing uh what's called a truck rodeo because i'm a truck r- driver by trade and like most of the units we have are like support units that are like you know truck drivers as well and there was an event <laughs> There's an event on it that's like we had to push a Humvee and like change its tire and all this stuff. And, and we we go to the one of the teams goes to push the Humvee and they left the parking brake on. And you just see this one little scrawny kid that's like on the team that he didn't realize he would have to push something pushing with like all the force of his body into a truck that cannot move. <laughs> Amazing. And there's like the guy in the driver's seat can't find the parking brake, and this kid's just like, "Why is it not moving?" <laughs> Please. <laughs> and meanwhile, it's like 80, 90 degrees out, like all fucking week, and there's no shade at any of the events. So we now have an army of lobster people. <laughs> <laughs> Because they were like, you're not allowed to go home. You have to watch the sporting events. So, like, we're, like, forced to watch our friends play kickball. And (laughs) so (laughs) I wasn't on the kickball team, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to help the kickball team out. And one of the refs for the kickball games is, like, a a, a sergeant that I'm, like, friends with. Mm -hmm. So the whole game, every call, I just went full, like, New York, Boston, like baseball manager on the referee the whole game. So like somebody would be like definitely be out. Like like the, the they would like definitely have touched the plate and like the guy would have came like a second after they touched the plate, right? And I'd be like, Are you fucking blind ref? Do you not see his foot hit the big? Come on. <laughs> Let's go, ref. <laughs> what the hell? I had like half the dugout just dying laughing the whole game. I was like, it's like if I'm stuck here, I'm making this funny. So like, and then at one point, I see you not like, I yelled. I had a water bottle in my hand. I was like, it's fucking horse shit. And I like the water bottle just like angrily. And like there was a fence in front of me, and I I have no idea how this happened. But when I chucked the water bottle, it did like a perfect somersault and stuck in the fence like perfectly to where it got stuck. And I was just like, it's fucking horse shit. And I threw it and it just like sticks in the fence. And everybody's just like, like everything went silent for like a split second. Everybody's just like, how the fuck did that happen? (laughs) This guy really means business. (laughs) It was just my scholarship. It was like, wish. And then when when they won the game or whatever. I was like, I'm very proud of you. I put a lot of work into this team. Uh, I did zero work for that team, by the way. That's the joke there. Um, got him. Got him. 
<laughs> so, so are you still in the uh, that whole like ultimate frisbee tournament thing? Was that just one day? Oh, oh no, we lost in the first game of the tournament. <laughs> oh, oh! <laughs> but I did have play of the game, my buddy. So my buddy uh, like hucked the frisbee from the the opposing team's end zone, and I'm at like half field, right? And like he just chucks it, and there's nobody anywhere near where he threw it because he was just trying to clear it. And I just like full out booked it from like half field all the way into the end zone and caught it with one hand and did like a somersault. And then, of course, in true uh, egotistical, sarcastic soldier fashion, I fucking spiked the frisbee. Threw my arms out, full on fucking Russell Crowe style, and I was like, just, just straight up. Are you not entertained? Is there no one else? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and everybody was like, "Yo, that was playing." Like even the other team was just like, "I have no idea how you did that." <laughs> and I was like, "Cause, cause you know, I'm the fucking sa- I'm the moth squatch, bro. I got teleportation powers." <laughs> There is actually an episode where uh, I believe it is The Simpsons where Homer writes a football player's um, touchdowns, like his celebrations. And so there's like <laughs> ones where like like he gets a touchdown and then like <laughs> like cuts into like a steak dinner. <laughs> and like I I feel like if I was in like the NFL, I would have <laughs> the most intricate celebrations and no one would like me <laughs> this guy brags on a whole nother level dude i would like- and then sat at the end zone while an artist chiseled a statue of him <laughs> dude i would straight up do the whole like run to the end zone run all the way back to the other end zone run back into the end zone then spike the ball <laughs> <laughs> Climb up Spike into the, the crowd. Ref who tries to stop you? Just cl- just climb up into the crowd and grab a hot dog from the session, <laughs> and then come back onto the field eating a hot dog and be like, "See, I could do this all day." Like, <laughs> get a touchdown, and then one of the other players that on the other team that's like right behind me, I immediately turn around, pick him up, spike him, <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah." everyone's like highly concerned because I just spiked an entire man, but I'm hype. <laughs> uh, I'd be a bad athlete. <laughs> Dude, if I had the capability to dunk, you know how long I would hang on the fucking rim after dunking? They'd have to like, they'd have to like bring a ladder to get me off of it because I'd just be stuck there. Like, Imagine like elbow a really short guy that could dunk that's scared of heights. So like, he dunks, he's like, oh, he's holding on. <laughs> they get a ladder, they're like, come on. We got they gotta you, like Riff. spray him with a hose like a cat. <laughs> yeah, they gotta like force him down. <laughs> they gotta actually like get, like two players on two different ladders have to go up there and pry his fingers off while they're another like, player cradles him like a baby. Meanwhile, LeBron James <laughs> is sitting in the corner like, man, fucking Steve. Fuck He's like, Steve sucks ass, man. Bro, he can dunk, but he man. Can dunk. He can fucking dunk. <laughs> He's just doing like full on like Vince Carter windmill dunks and then just hanging on oh, the yeah. rim scared as shit of ice. Yeah. Front flip <laughs> dunk and then both hands are just like gorilla grip to the fucking <laughs> rim. So, and then what? And it's all because the first time he ever dunked, he ripped the fucking rim off and 
leg. <laughs> I broke that leg. It ain't happening again. Like, okay, so when that happened, you were five eight. You're six four. <laughs> You're almost they, touching the ground. He's like, no. and they just they have like an athletic trainer run out every time he does step stool under him. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna talk him down. It's okay, man. It's okay. This no one's gonna inches. be mad. <laughs> you promise? <laughs> I feel like that type of player would play for a team that like nobody cares about. They'd be like the, the Charlotte Clippers. Hornets. <laughs> I got a buddy from Charlotte. This is like a big Hornets fan. <laughs> yeah, but how many bandwagon fans do you have? None. True. <laughs> Even the Wizards got bandwagon fans, and they're terrible. Can you imagine being like the biggest fan of like the worst sports team ever? But like, I'm not talking like on like an NFL or anything level but they're like the pros but you're the only one at the game uh so why are you so why are you coming for professional lacrosse like this my guy (laughs) um i'm offended as a virginia native and a lacrosse player um yeah don't come for my sport like that (laughs) because i am a diehard chesapeake bay Sox fan I do yeah. not give a shit. I will oust myself, dude. Chesapeake Bay Sox is my professional lacrosse team. And if you've never seen professional lacrosse, that shit is ridiculous. <laughs> so here's something wild. is uh, I actually have no idea how lacrosse is played because lacrosse was not something you played in Arkansas. Like, I, I mean, some schools may have it, but the ones I went to, none of them did. All right. I'm going to give you a crash course on how lacrosse works. Are you ready? Yeah. Show me the way. Lacrosse so, me. So you steal your high school's soccer field, number one. Okay. <laughs> you bring out the spray paint cans because, you know, you're not an important enough sport to have your own lines on the field. Of course. So you put the goals out. Uh, there's about, like, 10, 10 yards distance from the goal to the end line of the field. Or it might be, like, 20 yards. I don't know. But you draw a circle around the goal that's, like, spaced out. Um, and that's the goalie's crease. The, if the goalie is within that circle, you cannot touch him, right? Like you can't hit him. You can't like poke at him. Like, and you can't step in there like to score a goal. Like that's like the no, no go zone. Right. Um, if the goalie steps out of that circle though, you can lay him the fuck out. (laughs) So it's the only sport where you are allowed to hit the fucking. Okay. (laughs) Number one reason why lacrosse is badass. All right. So it works a lot like hockey. So you have your face off, you know, you got, uh, it's, it's set up like the players are set up like, like soccer in the way, like the p- way the positions are named. You've got your attackers, your midfielders and your defenders. Um, so you have a face off in the center between your two centers, just like hockey. Uh, they win the cross ball back to either side. It goes to your defenders at any given time. Your midfielders can be on any part of the field, but you can only have, um, a defender, the defenders can only stay in the defensive side of the field and the attackers can only stay in the offensive side of the field unless they switch with each other. So like if you have a defender on a break, one of your attackers has to run back across the middle line for him to be able to run into the offensive, essentially. And then the way they deal with out-of-bounds balls is the first team to reach the line after the ball goes errant and out-of-bounds gets the ball. So like you'll, but it's based off of where the head of your stick is as opposed to where your body is. So you'll see oh. guys just running with like spears pointed outwards towards the, towards the line. 
Um, and basically what it is, is it, it works exactly like hockey. No borders, like essentially is the way it's oh. played. And like, you can just lay each other the fuck out in it, dude. It is so violent. <laughs> like it is a violent ass sport, dude. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is like, like, like it's, I don't know. It's just, it's a cool ass sport and it needs more like following for me personally. But the thing is pro works different. Like the professional leagues have different mm-hmm. rules. Like they have another line that extends out from the goal. That's the two point line where if you make a shot from beyond that line, it counts for two points instead of one. I see. So I always saw like, I didn't know lacrosse was so physical because I always like from the outside looking in, having never watched a match, never, you know, had any real like interaction with lacrosse. From the outside looking in, it looks like a really preppy sport. Oh, it 100% is, dude. It's, it's, it's frat bros, like straight up. Like we are, right, so in my town, we call them lax bros. Like, cause <laughs> the, 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 it's LAX is like the lacrosse, like, like an acronym. So they're lax bros, bro. And they have a very specific fashion set. Okay. They wear lacrosse shorts, usually with a ridiculous pattern stripe on them, usually with like lacrosse sticks and like crossbones and shit like that on them. And they got like the lacrosse sticks like crossed over each other in the bottom right corner of them. They're basically lacrosse, uh, (laughs) lacroix. No, and then they would wear like you know like whatever shirt they were wearing, like an affliction shirt or like you know like a polo shirt or whatever. And then they always wore like Sperry topsiders as their shoes, like really nice Nikes. And they always wore like mid calf socks, like mid calf like ridiculously patterned socks, and. They always had super long hair and wore a backwards dad hat. Like that was like their vibe. So they were like they were, they they basically dressed like hockey players, but they were like non-Canadian hockey players. So they were like rednecks. So they're all like gotcha. spitting dip and dressed like Canadian hockey players. It was like the weirdest culture around any sport ever and I fucking loved every moment of it. I actually was in a hardcore band in high school and we had a song like back when they had like ridiculous like long song titles. We yeah. had a song called Lax Bros Get All the Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> See, being raised in the South, I I hate that I had such um limited exposure to like a lot of things cuz here it's all about like it's just like in movies. It's all about football here. Like it's it's football this, football that. It football is everything. Oh, I love start stop ball. Um like we have <laughs> So I went to school um, in high school in Bryant and Bryant and Benton are two towns that are right beside each other. And they have this, this rivalry between their football teams. And so once a year, the schools will rent out uh, the stadium we have called war Memorial stadium. (laughs) And it is this ginormous uh, stadium that we have um, near, like near both of those schools. And they'll have a football game, you know, even if they're in like different, like uh, little like leagues and everything, they still play against each other in this game. And, uh, and then like whoever wins gets the trophy at their school that year. Um, But like my school won for like, I don't know what the number was, but it was like, I think like 13, 14 years in a row. So there was just, there was no contest. Bryant was like the supreme at football. And one year, actually, I remember this dude got in trouble 
because uh, he went to Benton High School and their mascot, like their whole like their animal, I guess, because we I mean, every school had an animal mascot or whatever. Um, theirs was the Panthers. Um, and someone glued a dildo to the top of their Panther statue's forehead. And like, <laughs> it was, dude, it was, it was like on the news and shit. Like it was like the talk of the town. Oh, um, oh, we have a funny story like that too from my high school. Similar story. Uh, we had, the, there was two schools in my hometown. We had high school us, which was Vikings. So they decided to go on a Viking raid of this other school called uh, Forest Park that had the Bruins as their, um, like, their mascot. And they stole the fucking Bruin statue and put it in front of our football field with a Viking helmet. Oh. And we called it the Woodbridge Nord for, like, <laughs> a month. It had its own Facebook page and everything. And I don't know if you've ever, like, same same homecoming game or whatever. I don't know if you've ever seen the videos online on YouTube of Free Banana Man. That happened at my school. Uh, Banana I Man. I don't know if I have. So what happened was we had a kid who, like, did, like, a streaker thing at homecoming where he dressed up in a banana costume and ran across the field in the middle of a homecoming game in the middle of live play. <laughs> And was doing the in a banana costume. Do you mean like there was no, he, there was he some wasn't, stuff revealed? No, he wasn't. Or no, like, like he he did like the streaker run. He wasn't actually. Oh, he was okay. wearing like a bananas in pajamas style costume, right? Like just the banana suit, and he yeah. was doing the peanut butter jelly dance on the fucking field, right? And we had like a whole online campaign called Banana Man because he like got in trouble and got suspended for it. <laughs> oh shit! And there's like a whole like you can look it up online. Like it got like national news coverage like <laughs> it was everywhere <laughs> i wonder what banana man's up to now hit us i up. have no idea i don't even remember who banana man was as a i just remember the legend of banana man <laughs> oh, that's amazing i remember um in in high school the school's mascot i had like high-fived it and stuff like so many times and like giving the mascot a hug and stuff like that had no idea the mascot was my friend Devin. i knew her <laughs> I knew her and i had like like she was like a really good friend loved Devin to death such a character had no fucking clue she was the mascot until like halfway through senior year <laughs> yeah and i was like holy shit so like she was like, oh, it's Landon. And my asshole self was like, oh, it's the Bryant Hornet. You had this homie relationship with this mascot. <laughs> I didn't know it was your friend the whole time. So you had two homies that were the same person. <laughs> Yeah, well, see, like, I just, whenever I would see the mascot, I'd just get, like, super hyped, and, like, I'd, like, high-five the mascot, you know? And, like, I just <laughs> fucking loved seeing the Bryant Hornet because, like, they were a fucking character. They were silly. Never made the connection that that same silly was my friend Devin. <laughs> the connection was just not there for me. Don't know how. Oh, oh, to go back to the preppy thing that you're talking about with lacrosse, right? Um mm -hmm. So I was a <laughs> high school rower 
I was on the rowing team. A rowing team. Yes. Yeah, so I grew up on the Occoquan River, which if you don't know anything about college level rowing, is one of the premier racing courses for college crew. So um, we had our own boathouse and stuff. And we had our crew teams and stuff for high school. And uh, for the longest time running, like the other county next to us, Fairfax County, which was like the richer county, had all the great teams, like all the really good teams that were really good at racing because they had all the private schools and they had all like the, the, the big money to buy, afford these boats. And like out of our boathouse was all like the ghetto kids with like our like really old boats and like shitty <laughs> oars. And one year, um, uh, so I ended up taking, my boat ended up taking third states. Like over all of oh, these hell yeah. So like we don't have the money for it, but we're making this shit happen. Yeah, but like we were like we were a force to be reckoned with. Like and it was only our school. So all the other schools out of our boathouse at the time were terrible. They're better than us now, uh, with like their new yeah. programs and stuff. But like at the time when I was going to high school, we were like the only one out of our boathouse that was giving them a run for their money. I like in the male circuit. Like the women's circuit, like Hilton, the other high school, the Hilton Bulldogs, mm-hmm. like they destroyed it in like the women's rowing. But, like, our male rowing program was the only one that had a shot at anything. (laughs) But, yeah, so, like, I had, like, this weird, like, rich kid, like, set of friends that had, like, mansions and shit. And I'm, like, living in a fucking split level, like, just single family home. (laughs) (laughs) And it it was funny because it's just like, it's just like, I I had all these friends that were just like, yes, I think we're going to go out on the Catalina this you know, like, <laughs> like, oh, cool. I'm gonna get drunk around the fire. <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, I'm gonna go skate the fucking ghetto skate park we built in my backyard. Like, yeah, that's what I'm doing this weekend. And I don't know. Maybe we'll light something on fire and smoke some weed in the woods. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then meanwhile, these guys are like on their jet skis and stuff. Oh, we had this. We had this superstition, too, when it came to states. The more mohawks you had in a boat, the better chance it had of winning. So, like every time, <laughs> every time states would come around, we would like shave mohawks into everybody's heads. So, like we're like the Viking team, and we all look like Viking fucking warrior mohawks, just like spiked up tall. And all the other teams are like, "What the fuck is their problem?" I was like, "Just don't turn your head; it will create bro, drag." Bro, less wind, <laughs> less wind resistance, bro. <laughs> We're sharp. We're fast. <laughs> and I don't know if you know anything about rowing uniforms, but they're basically just wrestling leotard. I didn't know <laughs> this. That's hilarious. So there's so, a bunch of dudes in mohawks in one pieces. Oh, yeah. In onesies. Like sleeveless yeah. onesies. <laughs> and we, we've all got like war paint on our faces. It's like fucking mohawks. And, like, the, the coxswain, the guy who like steers the boats wearing like a Viking helmet. Like, <laughs> so like from the fucking from the neck up, it's all warrior, and from like the shoulders down, it's all virgin. Yeah, on the shoulder from the shoulders down, it's just all Elton. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're just rowing, and and the funny thing is, like, all right, so like when I first started rowing, like I wasn't a rower, I was a coxswain, which is uh, which is the guy who like yells at people to row harder but does zero work, um like athletically like you're steering the boat and you're just yelling at people like that's your whole job and i was so bad at it like the only reason they put me in that seat was because of how light i was i created like zero drag on the boat but like i had no like control over my voice at that time 
So I'm just like yelling random shit at these guys, like not motivating at all. I'm like, come on, you fucking pussies. Push it out. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> yeah. And like they recorded me one race. They're like, that's what you yell at these guys. <laughs> and then uh, when I became a rower, I realized just how shitty of a coxswain I was just because I had a shitty coxswain in my boat. <laughs> and I was like, wow. I was worse than this. <laughs> and the funny thing is, uh, so there was an advertisement campaign because like the, so the speaker systems that are in the boat are called Cox boxes, right? And they had speakers a co- in the boats. Mm-hmm. Okay. So what it is, is it's like a waterproof, like, like a uh, PA system, right? That has like a headset on it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's made by, I don't remember what company makes it, but it's called a Cox box is what they call it. Because the Cox plane is the guy's just boat. Call it a Cox box. But they had stickers for the company that said, dude, she said Cox box on them. (laughs) (laughs) So they had like a sticker competition to like put the sticker on stuff. And me and my dad came up with like the funniest concept ever was just to have like a really hot chick holding a Cox box with the sticker on it and have like all the other sports like next to it, like of like manly man dudes just like giggling like schoolgirls next to her. And we just like never took the photo. I was so mad about it. Oh. <laughs> I think I still have a guitar somewhere, like in storage somewhere that has a dude she said Coxbox. We need to hit up Coxbox. Dude, I will straight up like if Concept Two, the guys who make the rope machines, or, like any of the guys that like the guys who make the Coxbox or any of those people like want to sponsor this podcast, I am down for it. Because like rowing was such an important part of my life because like I was not an athletic like a super athletically inclined kid, but like rowing was like an all inclusive sport. Like they didn't care um, whether you came in like perfectly athletic or not. Like as long as you pulled your own weight and you were able to like get your weight off the water. As long as you could row. Yeah. As long as you could row for your own weight, like as long as you could pull your own weight on that, you were good because like, that's all that matters is if you can pull a little bit, a little bit more force on that oar than you weigh, then you're doing help for that boat. So, like, even if you're, like, the lightest motherfucker ever, if you can push enough force to push your body weight times two on that fucking oar, like, you're good. You're a great rower. Sick. I, see, I, I wish we had, like, cool stuff like that. Oh, no, dude. It's, it's like, we got to win the big game on Saturday. And it's like, it's just a football game. Well, the, other thing, the other thing is, uh, so there's something in rowing called catching a crab, right? Um, oh, because the way that the oars work, like if you catch the water wrong, that motherfucker is catching an undercurrent and fucking you up. It's called catching a crab. So like if you put your oar in at an angle and it catches the current and it goes under, you just get smacked in the face by the handle of the oar. And I've seen Ugh. people catch a crab and get launched out of the fucking boat. Oh, like it's oh, dude, dude, rowing is so intense because like when you're rowing, like. You're not just like lifting the oar out of the water straight and putting it back in the water. You have to feather it. So you have to like rotate it like 90 degrees and like so mm-hmm. that it cuts the wind and you can like slide it through. And then you have to rotate it back 90 degrees, get it in the water and pull at the same time as everybody else. So like if you're out of time with anybody in any way and you catch that water wrong, you're catching a crab and you're going fucking, you're going overboard, bro. Like can, it, can it is it now, so nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dude like i miss i miss rowing sometimes like i still like whenever i go to the gym i because like the rowing machine is like the best workout ever if you know what you're doing and it hurts my soul whenever i see somebody who's never rowed before use a rowing machine because they're four 
Venom is just so garbage. <laughs> because it's legs, it's legs, arms, back. Like, that's the order you have to do it in. And then when you come back, it's arms, back, legs. Like, so, like, people are like, arms, legs, back, forward, back, twist, fucking whip the chain. Like, you're like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> you are getting zero force on this machine right now. You're just fucking a sweat for no reason. <laughs> Speaking of of rowing and uh, well, just just generally being like out on the water, um, a while back, not even a while back, actually, probably like a year or two ago, um, the last time I went kayaking and like canoeing, because you know it's it's Arkansas, so that's what there is to do, and <laughs> uh, me and my buddies had planned out this uh, this trip out to the Buffalo River, and we were like, all right, so we're gonna you know, we're going to do half of it um, one day. Then we're going to find a good bank, camp out, then do the other half. So mm-hmm. first, like first day, everything goes kind of smoothly. We see a, a camping, like a little, you know, raised up camping spot that we could have been at. And we were like, nah, let's just keep going forward and see what we can find. And eventually we found this uh, this bank that's like not too high up off the water. Um, and we were like, okay, this is fine. So we set up camp and then I wake up at like 3 a.m. Everything is soaking wet. The water has <laughs> risen several feet. Um, they did not tell us how high the water was going to be rising um, that night or would rise. And common sense like, should have really hit us. Um, because of all the crazy stories we've heard from the Buffalo River. And uh, so we're like, okay, you know, there was another shore ahead of us. We're going to pack everything up that we, you know, that we can still save because everything's been flooded. We're going to get in our canoes and kayaks and we're going to just push up to the next shore. (laughs) As soon as we got on the water, we were picked up by rapids. And then, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we were all like, okay, fine. We got to, you know, it's 3 a.m. Pitch black. None of us can see anything. Um, <laughs> most of the phones are in a, a waterproof, like, lockbox. No one has any light. And we're like, all right, let's all stick together. And we all sort of, like, pull our, our canoes and, like, kayaks and everything together so that, like, everyone can stay together. Someone turns on a light, and I look over to my right. We're completely sideways coming down the river. And this giant stone pillar is what we're headed straight towards. We all (laughs) collide with it. Everyone except for like, I think one person's kayak sinks. Like gone. All of our shit just gone. Um, (laughs) And then we're being pulled down the Buffalo River in the middle of the night in pitch black. I can't see anything. Um, And I just, the only thing that I could think of was like, I don't want to die here. Um, because like people have, and I knew like in that moment, I was like, this is the dumbest thing that I've ever done. Like that, that was so fucking stupid of us. And then I see that one of my friends has like gotten himself on this rock. And I start like sort of pushing myself back so that I can, uh, I can like kind of catch myself on it. And I am, I collide with it and I cracked one of my ribs um, and then I got pushed to another side of it. I hit the side of a tree and I knocked out a molar in the, um, in like, uh, 
the top of my mouth. Um, and like, I didn't, at the time I didn't feel anything. I wasn't aware that this had happened. Um, because the, you know, the rapids are like going everywhere. Yeah. I'm like clinging onto this, like this log that's like trenched in a rock. I get up on it and I just stop for a second and then immediately start pushing myself back onto the rock. Our friend Tanner, who still has his kayak, collides with the rock. We pull it up on, and the greatest fucking miracle ever was that his kayak had all the phones in it. And and we like we look over and we see all of our other friends had made it to a shoreline that we could see. And so everyone was okay. Um and we then we were like, okay, so we gotta figure out what we do now because it's 3 a.m. and we're trapped on a rock in the middle of the Buffalo River. Oh yeah. Um, and so we start pulling out the phones and so many of them are dead or don't have signal. And I pull out mine. I have a little bit of signal. Um, but not enough signal to make a phone call, but I was able to get our coordinates. And then my friend Bill's phone was able to call um like 911 and they had to get game and fish out there to come uh do like a little search and rescue thing um and so probably three and a half hours passed and this boat finally pulls up day has broken um we all get on it we managed to you know find some of the boats that got uh you know ruined and uh that's when I realized things were wrong. I was like, my, it's like my side hurts so bad. And then like, uh, I was drinking some water and some of the tasted kind of funny and I spit it out and it was just blood. And that's when I found out I lost a tooth. <laughs> yeah. Cause there was just so much adrenaline. Oh yeah. But like, I, man, I've just done some stupid shit. But like, that was my last experience. Um, with canoeing and kayaking and since then i've actually been back to the buffalo um with different friends we didn't do anything really i just i wanted to go i wanted to kind of like see it again because i had in my mind i had like completely closed off the idea of going kayaking or canoeing again and i had this like fear of the buffalo river but like when i actually went out there and just kind of like faced it and appreciated that it wasn't this just like super violent thing. I had just made some bad decisions and got myself in a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was very helpful in that, but, uh, man, I, I forgot I hadn't even told you that story. Oh yeah. That's ridiculous. Speaking of near death experience. So, uh, that deployment I was talking about Poland and Romania and all that, we were, uh, Romania, right? And uh, in the army, when whenever you like transfer areas, you load up all of the military equipment on like trains, and we call it the railhead. Um, but we had just gotten out of like a field exercise in Romania, and we were running on like an hour of sleep, maybe tops, and we're driving to railhead, which is a big no go for the army, by the way. Like, like my command team should have been fucking fired for this shit, right? But they didn't, mm-hmm. of course. You know, they blamed all of us for anything that went wrong. But like, um, we're driving, and I'm like talking to my driver, uh, because I'm the TC, which is like the truck commander, which is the guy who sits in the passenger seat, and just you know, like, 
uh, make sure that the driver's being safe or whatever. And uh, I'm talking to my driver, and he's like, he's like, hey man, you got any dip on you? And I was like, nah, man. He's like, fuck, man. If I had some dip, I'd be good. And then he's just out like a fucking switch, like middle of talking, like finishes his sentence and is just knocked the fuck out, like went straight to sleep. And oh, we start. We start drifting on the road, right? Straight towards this fucking house, right? Like, we're about to go through this motherfucker's living room. So, out of reaction, I'm, like, screaming the dude's name. And I, like, reach down, and there was a metal toe shackle, like, sitting in the middle of the truck. And I just chucked it at his leg. Gave him, like, worst Charlie horse ever. He wakes up and, like, swerves away from this house, like, rips a fucking sign down. And, like, uh, we, like, narrowly escape driving through this guy's living room like murdering a family of four. And then my command team has the balls to yell at us for it. Like, you realize, like, we, yeah, we hit a Romanian, like, street sign, right? And we popped a tire. But we could have driven through a guy's fucking living room. And then I get screamed at because I'm fucking laughing when we're done because I'm just happy to be alive. And that's who I am as a person. Like, dude, if I go through some near-death shit, I'm laughing like a son of a bitch. Just because, like, that is my brain's natural response to it. And they're like, trying to like get me in trouble because i wasn't taking seriously because i was laughing i was like dude i was happy to be fucking alive all right like (laughs) i don't think like they just didn't like grasp the fact that like when adrenaline runs through your body dude you react to it in different ways i'm not gonna stay professional when i almost died man like it's not gonna happen i totally feel that and i'm glad that with my experience i was able to be with people that had such similar personalities or like had silly personalities because when I was on that rock, there are no two people that I would have rather been on that rock with than Cody and Tanner. Because Cody is like, I love him to death. He's a very like deadpan guy, like like very like like he's like monotone, and then he just like cracks the funniest fucking joke you've ever heard in your life, like just <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, and and Tanner is just very excitable. So once he gets into telling a story, he gets like very into it like like that (laughs) so being on there with them um they were just like joking a lot and like i that's part of it that i i don't really think about a lot but i i really appreciate that everyone was still like very much themselves and able to you know to joke to help everyone feel better dude my whole thing is like dude i could get mauled by a grizzly way to fucking die (laughs) i go out as a legend (laughs) that's my whole thing dude like i don't i I know i'm gonna die one day i just hope i die cool like (laughs) like whenever i get in a near-death situation like is this a cool way to die like because if it's a cool way to die whatever man take me if it's not a cool way to die i'm like i'm getting this shit (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's like is my body recoverable and was it cool that's all i care about <laughs> <laughs> it's just gotta be cool man because like maybe army that's tra- what saved me i was like this isn't a cool way to die and like i'm good that's it Fine. yeah well with the army just makes you so cool with the idea of dying like they just like train you to like be ready for it essentially be like just i just hope that like i go down and like get like a medal of honor like post post posthumously like you know what i'm saying like you're like dude i hope that i go down in like a hail of machine gun bullets while i'm ripping through a guy's throat with a fucking mre spoon you know like you want to go yeah, down like, a legend you, go you know what cool 
You don't want to go down as the guy who's screaming because he got shot in the leg. You want to go down as the guy who got shot in the leg and like got back up on the 50 cal and just ripped through like an entire German front. You don't want to be the guy that was like squatting over a hole to shit in and you got shot. Exactly. Like, I, don't, I don't want to die like that. I don't want to be the shit guy. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you want to be the guy. Like you want to be the guy who's right? like entire squad like gets like shot down and you position and backup arrives and then you die as backup like is handling it because you just like you just like all right we're safe now and you just like go to rest you know like that's how you want to die in the military you want to you want to die the Audie Murphy death you know what I'm saying like you want to be you want to be Medal of Honor worthy and like yeah they drill that shit into you. But the funny thing is the guys who think they're going to die like that all the time, like the ones who give so much of a shit about the army are the ones every time they freeze. And the all of us guys are like, dude, they're the ones who freeze. So like, you know, like gunshots go off. The guy who knows yeah. all this shit and is like, like, hua, 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 like, I am here. I was born for the army. That guy always freezes. Always the guy like me or one of my buddies who's like, I don't give a shit about the army anymore i'm getting the fuck out like those guys those guys are the guys who are like oh hell no nah, you ain't getting between me and smoking weed when i get out of here and we just <laughs> light motherfuckers up dude like that's how it works it's the guy who doesn't give a shit and wants to go home is the guy who fucking always turns out the hero it's never the hua hua guy the hua hua guy freezes and gets shot like every time like i and like it's hard for people to accept that because they think that you know the captain america the guy who's got his shit together it's not the Captain America soldier. It's the guy who has like eight fucking disciplinary actions against him and just gives a shit about his homies is the guy who comes out as like the hero at the end of the situation every time. Like it's yeah, never. Like, they, they're just like, I just want to be done with this shit. They do yeah. what they got to do. They're like the John Wicks. Like you killed my fucking dog. Like <laughs> yeah. you killed my dog, dog. Like, yeah. Like they don't like, and it's funny because like whenever they portray those people in, the movies they always portray them as like these perfect people like chris kyle and like american sniper like that dude was fucked up that dude was a fucked up human being like he was not a good person like when he was in the military but they portrayed him as this like true patriot motherfucker right but in actuality he was a total fucking shitbag like you know so like i always hate movie portrayals of the military like because they're always like so like mind their p's and q's and like you know like captain america style soldiers but like there's like three of those in each unit. All the rest of us are just like, yo, bro, I cannot wait to get the fuck out. How do you feel about Jarhead? I actually have never seen the movie Jarhead, and that's also... So, like, I don't relate to Marine Corps as much as I do to Army. Uh, it's two completely different cultures. Because, um, mm. like, Marines are all that Captain America stuff. Like, they're all so proud of the Marine Corps, and they're, like, you know, Semper Fi till I die types. Like, even if they're not, like... Even if they're like the guys who want to get out, they're still simplified till they die. Like they're still committed to being a Marine oh, because absolutely. it's so hard to become a Marine that they're like, mm -hmm. fuck it. I'm a fucking Marine. Like that's who I am. Like that's just how yeah. they are. Whereas the army, it's like one of the easier branches to join. It's not the easiest. Um, like it's what it's the largest branch. So like, we're just like everybody who like didn't make the Marine Corps, everybody who didn't make the air force, you know, everybody who was too scared to swim. So they didn't join the Navy, like joins the army. So, like, the Army is, like, the largest of the military branches. And it's just, like, a bunch of people who are just, you know, everyday people. And we have a yeah. larger selection of jobs. And, like, we've got people that will never see combat. They sit behind a desk all day. Like, that's their job. So, like, I mean, like, if you've ever seen the movie Fury, 
Fury is a yeah. very good representation of how soldiers are. Like, you know, because, you know, like Shia LaBeouf's character, Church, is like, you know, he's like a born-again Christian, but he's a fucking asshole. Like, that's mm-hmm. that's kind of like how soldiers are. Like, we don't give a shit. Like, we're going to rag on you. We're going to fucking treat you like dirt. We don't really care because we have such a dark sense of humor because of the shit that we go through. Like, people don't realize, like, yes, soldiers, we say fucked up shit. And we do fucked up shit in the civilian world. And yeah, we're not the most respectful people all the time. But you have to keep in mind, we were programmed and trained to fucking murder people. And that's all we train in all fucking day is like, hey, man, when somebody wants to murder you, here's how you prevent it. And here's how you murder them back. Like that is literally our day to day, everyday shit is training to kill people. That's what we do all day. So if you don't develop a dark sense of humor and say some fucked up shit for being brainwashed into that shit, like there's something wrong with you. That's the person you need to be worried about is the person who doesn't have a dark sense of humor after going through. Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah like, yeah, like dude, like I, I, I don't know. Like there's this thing in like CLS combat lifesaver class, which is like, you know, help and shot and stuff. It's called taking an, uh, it's called an NPA. It's a nasal pharyngeal like uh, apparatus or something. I don't know what it stands for exactly because it's fucking NPA. That's what we call it. Basically what it is, is a nose tube. Like you put a nose tube in your nose to like open their airway and like it's like a requirement to get it was a requirement for a while to get your cls certification to take one in the nose because if you're going to be giving them to people you need to know what it feels like to get one so you do it right the like the every time you do it because you know if you fuck up it hurts like a bitch you know but it got to the point where i had done cls so many times recertified so many times that like my nose is for that shit so like now anytime we teach a cls class I like sit down and I volunteer to take it in front of all the new privates to gross them out because it fucking makes me die laughing every time because I'm just like so numb to it now. So I'll like lay on a table and just get a like a hose shoved in my fucking nose just to fucking gross people out because that's where my sense of humor goes with it. I'm just like stick it in my nose. Let's go. <laughs> and I'll be like cracking like inappropriate jokes as they're like lubing it up. I was like, yeah, lube it up real nice. You use the fire and ice, right? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> it on in there. Yeah, dude, there's videos of me taking them. Like, I've got a buddy who probably has a video of it. I'll share it with you eventually. But, like, yeah, dude, like, I, I just take those things like a champ. I don't even flinch. I don't cry. I don't do nothing. I just, like, lay there. They stick it in my nose. And, I, and then I point upwards to tell them to take it out. And then they take it out. And then I just get up and I start laughing. Like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just little things like that. And, like, uh, I don't know. Like, the Army just trains you to just not give a shit. That's the one thing that I will always appreciate about the army is that it trained me to just not give a shit at some of the dumbest shit that could ever be thrown your way because the army is so good at hitting you with the dumbest shit you've ever seen in your life. I will say of a lot of uh, my, like my army friends, um, a lot of them have like a dark sense of humor, like that same, you know, dark sense of humor. And they just have like some of the most fucked up jokes, but like they're funny as shit. But like that's just it's just how they are now. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the thing is, it's like um, you have two lives when you're in the military. You have your civilian buddies and you have your army buddies. And the thing is, like your civilian buddies, you're not as close to them as your army buddies are. The guys who you're gonna fucking jump in front of a bullet for, essentially. 
Like, whether you fucking like them or not. Like, there are soldiers that I've absolutely hated. But if push came to shove and I was, like, getting shot at or, like, there was a truck blew up and I had to save that motherfucker's life, I would do everything in my power to save that motherfucker's life, even though he fucking hates my guts and I hate his guts because it's like, we're in this shit together and I need you. Yeah. You know? So I it's, would, it's... I would jump in front of a bullet train for you, Johnny. We'd both get hit, but that's how I'd prefer it. Yeah, yeah. You're like, I will cushion your blows that you yeah. die slower. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 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 Motherfucker, you ain't dying without me. Yeah. It's more of a selfish <laughs> thing than anything. <laughs> if you touch, if you put a fork in a, in a, in a socket, I will grab your arm because we're going together, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but no, like, my whole thing is like, I do, like, I, I do not like being in the army anymore. Okay, it's it's not uh, it's not because I hate the job. It's not because I hate you know. It's I'm tired of sacrificing my time. For That's really what it boils down to. I'm tired of sacrificing birthdays. I'm tired of sacrificing holidays. I'm tired of like planning to go to a concert and then I have a rotation coming up that's going to keep me from seeing like the farewell concert for a band that I love. I'm tired of not having the freedom to just you know leave and just go somewhere I, i'm tired of not having the liberty of just like i don't enjoy my job anymore i want to try something else and quitting my job and doing something else like because you are contracted to the u.s government you are property of the u.s government and you are treated as such you are a number essentially and it's like like and you hear it all the time from people it's it's um it's not the army that does you dirty it's the people so, like, if you're in a bad unit, it's not the army. The army is a not a sentient being. The army is not fucking you over. The people above you are fucking you over. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, you can you can join an, the army and have the world's greatest fucking career if you end up in the right spot at the right time and the like, you know, and you do the right things and you get the right mission set. But if you end up like with with a career like mine, like where I first went, I was in the right place at the right time with the right mission set. And I had a great time and I got to go to Poland and Kuwait and all sorts of places. I never saw combat, but then I came here and we don't have a mission set sitting in our fucking cars all day. And all we do is train to fight a war that we're not even allowed to fight because we're banned from deploying. So it's like, you know, because like, you know, somebody in one of the units on our base shot up a mosque or something like way back in the day. So like our post is not allowed to deploy to anything, but, you know, like UN support missions. We're not allowed to fucking see combat this unit ever. Oh wow! So, like, and I don't. But the thing is, like, I'm in a I'm in a support unit, a core of the mili- a core of the army, which is like, uh, if you don't know what a core, a core is like a a command that oversees multiple um, brigades, battalions uh, over like a couple of bases. Like, it's not just a one base thing. So, like. All of our missions are like supporting the National Guard to do dumb shit or, you know, going to training events that we're not training to go to combat, but the other guys are going to go see combat and they're going to go do shit. But we have to go do all the bitch work for them while they're training. So, like, it's just demoralizing because it's like I'm doing all this training and I'm learning all this, but I'm never going to get to use it. So it's and and it, and it just it's just like, dude, like, what is the point anymore? So it's like the ultimate like catch 22. And then, but like, like you're once, being trained for something that's not going to happen. Basically. And and I wouldn't have for minded you. this. I wouldn't have minded this unit if it was my first unit, because I would be learning this stuff for the first time, right? I would be learning this stuff for the first time, so it's useful information to me. Problem is, I've been in for six fucking years, so all these classes and stuff, I've heard it all a million times, explained a million different ways, and I already understand it. So it just feels like a waste of my fucking time. 
Like, it's always good to refresh the knowledge, but, like, once you've got the knowledge, you've got the fucking knowledge. So, like, it's just, I don't know, it's one of those things where it's like, I've learned everything I can learn from the army, and uh, if if there's nothing new to learn, there's no point in staying. Yeah. And, yeah, that makes sense. Um, You you don't want to be trapped doing the same thing over and over and over and over. Um, I also have a question. Are you, so are you in Washington because of the army? Yes. Yes. Or, okay. So So, like you join the army and they put you in Washington and that's why you live. So I joined in North Carolina. I was shipped to Missouri for basic training and AIT. AIT is like where you learn your job. But uh, sometimes people go to basic training at one base and they have AIT at another base because it's all based Mm -hmm. on where the training for that job is. I just happened to go to the training base that had both. So I was in Missouri. I did my basic training. I did my truck driver school. And then I got assigned my first duty station, which you don't get to pick. You don't get to pick your first duty station. And they gave me Fort Carson, Colorado. So the Army flew me out to Colorado and that was my home for four years. And then when it came time to reenlist, uh, which is like where you sign your second contract, you get the choice of where you want to go. And I was offered, um, you know, a couple bases. Uh, I was offered Germany. I was offered, but I had just been to Germany and I was in Germany when I signed my contract. So I was like, I've already, I don't want to go there. And, but at the time my brother was living out here in the Pacific Northwest. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll pick Washington then. Cause then I'll be close to my brother or whatever. Okay. So I enlisted for Washington. And then in the span of me, like waiting to go to Washington, my brother ended up moving back to North Carolina. So I got stranded oh, out here wow. and watched him by myself. Uh, so, but I, you know, I had, you know, met my, my, uh, my wife in Colorado and we got married like, and so like Washington was still all right because, you know, I had like my marriage here essentially. So, um, okay. So like, that was my experience here with Washington. So like, but now like, I don't have much out here in terms of like people because you know my whole life was centered around me and one other person here we didn't like establish this like you know click of people or whatever and i've got people like from the army and stuff but i don't have my civilian half of my life out so um that's kind of what like motivated the whole like wanting to get out thing is because it's like because of that alienation i don't feel like i belong here in this place anymore because all of my family is in colorado or you know, my battle buddies have moved on and moved on to new units in new states. And all I've got left is, you know, like the, the video gaming buddies. So like I spend so much time inside not living my life, just like talking over video games because it's what I've got as my civilian life. So, you know, and it took its toll on me. Like I, I, I used to be like super fit when I was in Colorado. Like I was, you know, running like 12 minute, two mile times. And, you know, I was like, active and i was going out and i was doing stuff and then i got here and i was happy and i was complacent in my marriage and i was hanging out with like the the buddies from colorado over video games and stuff and i wasn't being as active anymore and i started to gain weight and i started you know getting real down on myself and stuff like that and like got into my hole and 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 it's 100 because i spent so much time doing army stuff i didn't have time to take care of me i see and and the army's logic on it is, well, if you're tired of what you're doing, then just like work hard when you're not at work. But you're like, dude, I worked all fucking day, man. I don't want to go to the fucking gym. Like, yeah. Um, and I mean, at the same time, not having that civilian social life you had elsewhere, you don't, it, after work, you, you know, you've been around those people 
all day. You don't, so you don't want to like ask them like, Hey, let's become gym bros now because then that life consumes all of your life. Yeah. And, but the whole thing is like, I love hanging out with my military buddies. Like if all we're going to talk about is the military, cause that's our shared experience and our shared stories. Like I don't learn anything new. Exactly. And, but my whole thing is like, um, the Pacific Northwest, and this is not a slight on the Pacific Northwest at all. I was raised on Southern comfort. So like raised on, you know, like everybody's your friend, even if they're a stranger kind of deal. Like, yeah, you open that's the door the, for anyone. Yeah. But out here in the Pacific Northwest, everybody's very solitary. Everybody is very, don't talk to me. I don't want to get to know you. Like it's, it's very shut off. And it's called, they call it the Seattle freeze. Like it's, there's actually oh. a term for it. It's called the Seattle freeze. Which is where you go to talk to a stranger and they're like, why the fuck are you talking to me? Like, because everybody out here is so selfish and so self-centered and stuff. So finding those civilian connections is super hard. And then when you do find one of those civilian connections, you find out that the other fucking dudes in the army, you know, like, so now I have a question regarding like the, the Seattle freeze, I, I guess. Um, is it like that with skateboarding? Like if you go to a park and there's another skateboarder there and you're both skating around for a little bit, do you not just start talking to each other? I mean, you get it a little bit um, just from skate, skate culture. Yeah. But it's not the same. Um, like if you ever find yourself at Burnside uh, in Portland, it's a world famous DIY park, Tony Hawk games. Uh, it was, you know, it was, it's a famous skate park. But uh, if you go on the wrong day and, the certain skaters are there like you have to like pay tribute and you have to like drop in on the fucking tallest wall and all this shit before you're allowed to skate and stuff they're very exclusionary oh um yeah like i i was talking to my buddy who was from portland uh about it uh, like uh, how i wanted to go to burnside and i wanted to experience he's like yeah if you don't have a 30 rack of beer just don't even fucking go that's wild and i was just like dude that's that's how skate culture is here like they're exclusionary they're fucking assholes my whole thing is like that's it's it's a world famous skate park. It's in a fucking video game. You don't get to just fucking claim it as your turf and require people to give you things to skate it. Like fuck you, man. Like I'll throw hands. I don't care. Like something that I think is like very underappreciated is dirty south skateboarding. And that's really like a so as I got older, I started hanging out with more like transition skaters um and like and shit like that around my age and they had started up different companies um one of them is two percent skateboards um and another like very important one to me just from like like sentimental reasons is dirty skateboards um and dirty skateboards is owned by this guy who goes by j dirty um (laughs) and he started it in missouri in poplar bluff and the, he has this contest every year that he, that Dirty hosts, um, and it's called September Slam. And September Slam is always incredible. But the thing about it is, everyone in the Dirty South is hospitable. Like he opened up, like he has this, uh, he has this like little. It was a uh, a half pipe at the time. And now he's got this like full on like wooden ramp set up back there. But he invited like a whole bunch of people just like come camp out in my backyard the night before. Like, so you got a place to say, don't spend money on a hotel. We'll have like a whole like 
we'll we'll do a whole thing and it's been like that just about anywhere i've gone in the south someone's always like willing to open up their home to the crew and like and even if you don't really know them you both skate and you create these like really close friendships um with like people you never even really knew existed but they rip and they're <laughs> they're crazy good there was actually this um there's this peach festival in Arkansas that happens every year and they have a skate contest. And I didn't know about this until like, probably like this is about like two years ago or something like that. And this, like there were a bunch of dudes that I knew that were just like shredding at this contest. And I find out that it's run by um, one of my favorite artists, um, Slade um, on Instagram, Slade. I find out that his dad runs this like skateboarding contest and like Slade was basically just like raised around skateboarding. And that guy himself rips had no idea that he like could skate so well, but like, I love how he skates and they opened up their house to like a bunch of us to like, just crash over there after the, the whole festival. And it was crazy. There was like 14, 15 people just camping out here in the middle of nowhere and then the next morning, everyone's just like shredding this dude's driveway. <laughs> oh, yeah, and and my whole thing is, um, like, uh, experiences of skateboarders always differs uh, based off skill level too. Um, I found like because I'm not I'm not great at skateboarding by any yeah, means. It definitely right? won't claim to be great. Yeah, like, I, well, I mean, like, I am fucking dog shit at skateboarding like i I, like my trick bag is not big enough to play a game of skate at this point you know um but my thing was it was uh like as somebody who doesn't like you know can't do fucking crooked grinds and can't hit the handrails and can't you know carve every bowl at the park and stuff it feels more alienating sometimes when you go to some of these parks because it's like you know there's these dudes that are ripping and you're just getting in their way is what it feels like but the thing i've noticed is like you feel that a lot more out here in like the Pacific Northwest than you do in the South. Cause in the South, they're like, bro, I don't care if you're riding on your ass on your skateboard down the ramp, you get your fucking turn, you know? Yeah. They're, they're... See, they, they really care. Like when I was like really, really hurt from uh, my knee still. And I had to skate with like a really restrictive brace. Like everyone was just hella supportive when I would go to like Canis and everything. I wouldn't even like skate the park. I would just like do like little kick flips and like three shoves and three sixty flips and like because like that's all I could do and everyone was hyped on it. Everyone was like so excited that I was skating. I had this weird phase. Um, so in the town where I grew up, there's a skate park called Veterans. Um, and it, you know, there's some people that are you know the like gatekeepers or whatever types. They're they're at every skate park no matter where you are. Um. But I decided, like, I was tired of getting fucking shit on for being bad on a regular skateboard. So I went through this phase where I just slapped regular trucks on a penny board deck. Like, that, I went through a phase of that. And I was oh, just like, I I'm going to be the guy who just absolutely rips a fucking penny board on anything I can fucking get it to rip on. So I'm, like, dropping into the 10-foot bowl on a fucking penny board, doing board slides on flat rails with a fucking penny board and shit. And I was like, this is just what I'm going to be. I'm going to be that weird fucking penny board guy who's got the camera who takes pictures of everybody and just rips the fucking penny board all day because I was tired of it. I was like, I was like I'm not going to get, like, talked down on because I can't skate a regular board like these people, but I'm going to be way better than them on a fucking smaller board. 
So like like even when you get those abrasive like culture clashes in skateboarding, like you just like fuck you and you do whatever you want. Like that's the cool thing about skateboarding is it's in an it's an individual sport, man. It doesn't matter whether the rest of the skaters at the park are on your side or not, man. Just go and get it. You know. God, I've always skateboarding culture. I've always loved that about it because, like, you could be the shittiest skateboarder ever, man. But if you go to the right park with the right people, man, like, you'll get where you need to get. Uh, I never got there because I gave up on. Like, I just, I got to a point where I just hit a plateau where I was just like, I'm not gonna be a great skateboarder. But like, so I like, I kind of gave up, and the army kind of helped me give up on it because you know I had more shit on my plate. I didn't have all the time in the world to skate. But like recently, I've been getting back into it, and I am nowhere near as uh good as i was um which is not that good to begin with but it's like every time i've gone to a park now even here in the it's very closed off and people have the seattle freeze and stuff like people still get hype like they don't care that you suck they don't care that you're they're just happy that somebody else is there on a skateboard not a scooter you know like it's gotten to that point now where it's like if you're on a skateboard you're family now because skateboarding has become so niche and so small now in some places that it's like just because you want to ride a skateboard you're cool with me oh yeah i I will also say like when i was in high school the dudes at we had this skate park called tendal park um and all of the guys there it didn't matter what you were doing they were all just super hyped on it and you had pretty much every demographic of skateboarder at tendal which makes it so interesting you had, you know, you had people that were doing like freestyle stuff. You had people that like, like when I was there, all I wanted to do was play all of these people in games of skate. I wanted to learn as many <laughs> like crazy flip tricks as possible. Um, and so like, I was the kid there that was doing like, you know, like trade double flips and like all the like really weird flip tricks. Um, but everyone was okay with that. And it was always like this thing of once you're at the park, if there's another person there, you're probably going to both like skate around for a little while. And then when you're going for something, you'll notice that other person has stopped to watch what you're doing and you'll do the same thing. And then you start talking and then you become friends. And it's the ease, like skateboarding is the easiest sport to make friends in. I think it's one of the easiest ways to make friends really, because well, skateboarders are so hospitable because they're just hyped that you're doing like you're also doing skateboarding things. My thing about skateboarding is it's not just about what you do on the board. Like skate culture, like in a fucking band, right? And just because you ride a board park every once in a while, automatically everybody at that park is on board band. Or you start a podcast like we have. All of our homies from the skate parks are listening to this shit right now. Because mm-hmm. it's just you establish this this like this shared trauma of I fall down, I get back up again over and over again. And they're like, anytime that you have anything that gets you up and like makes you hype, they're there for it because they know your whole life has been throwing yourself down things and falling 90% of the time, you know? So when you do have your high moment, like the greatest moment ever, and they, they feel that contact through it because they have that same experience of throwing themselves down and falling 90% of the time. Skateboarding is 90% failure, 10% success. That's really what it boils down to. And it builds a hardened person. It builds somebody with drive and confidence. And it builds this sense of like, 
I am good enough in your body. Like, even if you're working at something as simple as, you know, fucking dropping off a two stair for your first time, like first time you do it, the, the rush that you get from landing it after fucking sliding off your board and racking your ass on the ground a million times. Like that feeling is like, you don't get that anywhere else. It's like the greatest drug in the world. Oh yeah. And another, another odd niche that also like doesn't mind skateboarders is actually gang culture. Um, generally if there's like some kind of like i i don't even know what to what to call it like quote unquote gang activity and like there's a skateboarder around there both of those two like people or groups are going to respect each other automatically because you you both know like <laughs> at some point the police are going to come and harass one of us yeah yeah, and well, the other the other thing I've, I've there's a lot of similarities between um, grassroots musicians and skateboarders. Um, just from somebody who like skateboarding was a hobby of mine, but music was my dream growing up. You know, so yeah. like uh, a lot of the homies from skateboarding crossed over the music. A lot of the homies from music, you know, crossed over into skateboarding stuff. So it was like. Um, you know, like the things you were talking about with the festivals and the crashing of people's houses, like that's really a big part of music culture too. Like I remember uh playing a two day show in Ocean Pines, Maryland, where we drove out from fucking like Woodbridge, Virginia, where I was, all the way up to fucking Ocean Pines. I I don't no, it might not have been Ocean Pines. It was it was some city in Maryland. Uh it was like a two day music event that was after uh, a really big music festival they had in Maryland called Park Rock. Um, but it was like an after party kind of show deal. Uh, and like my buddy helped set up like a booking for me to play the after party, even though I didn't make the roster for the show. So a lot of the bands from the show played the after party too. But like we went up there, uh, I played the first night and then we all camped out on the fucking, like at the fucking like venue, essentially in the yard in like a fucking camping situation. And then we played the next day. So like we had this like weird like bonfire, like, you know, experience in between the two shows and it was very much like the same experience you get through those skate trips and you know riding in vans with all the guys and stuff like band culture and skate culture are so similar it's just the the craft that you practice is different and i love it because like those they just go so hand in hand because like we have dude just about any event you go to there's gonna be some band playing and somebody in that band probably shreds um, <laughs> and at the same time like you got that like no matter what kind of music it is when you know it's someone that's down for skateboarding it just gets you so much more pumped to skate and like <laughs> there's so much momentum at these events it it's just dope i yeah, love skateboarding it- i love music and i love that they mesh so well Oh yeah, and like, like even if we stop talking right here. Like, I just want to stress the fact that like, no matter what you do, whether you're an artist, whether you're a skateboarder, whether you're a poet, a writer, we all have the same culture, and we just have to accept the fact that we have the same culture. It's the culture of failing ninety percent of the time and succeeding ten percent of the time, and it's just being there for that ten percent of the time to give the homie hype. That's like. That is the the one thing this world is missing lately is the homie hype. 
and things that you do. You know, you learned how to make fucking bread over quarantine. Like that's homie hype, bro. Like, let me try that banana bread, banana bread at work. Hell yeah. My God. Yeah. You know, like I just like, I don't care what you learned or how little of a like inconvenience it was for you. If you get success in your life, man, like I'm celebrating that shit hard. Like, if it's just like, hey, man, I was depressed. I finally got up this morning. I took a shower. Homie hype, bro. Homie hype. I don't care. Like, if if my homie, you know, like even in the army, I'm even though I'm done with the army. If one of my homies makes the the, the sergeant list, I'm hype for my homie. Like, go get it, big sergeant. Like, do it. Like, that's that's you. Like, you're doing good shit. And the problem is, like, a lot of people don't give that homie hype anymore. They're so self-centered and they're so, like, ingrained and, like, I want my success. Fuck your success. Your success is rubbing in my face. No. Celebrate other people's success, man, so that when you have your success. your homies. Make them feel good about the shit they're doing. I don't care what they're doing. Like, dude, if if you make a a necklace, like, good on you. you. You just fucking did something. Homie hype. Yeah. Homie hype. Like they, that like that's the one thing like that skateboarding culture needs to share with the world is the homie hype. Because it's like, dude, you write a song, even if it's the worst fucking song in the world, man, you wrote that shit from the heart, and I could feel that you wrote it from the heart, but I don't enjoy it musically. Homie hype. I don't care. That's your that's your soul bared for the world, dude. Like I don't care. Like, dude, I got buddies who are like horrible SoundCloud rappers. Like, I don't like their stuff, but you know what, man? When they drop a track, I like that fucking post and I give them the homie hype because like you're doing what you want to do. Like, I don't give a fuck if you're going to be successful in it or not. Homie hype straight up on everything. So that's what you should take from this. Homie yeah, hype. Yeah, dude, bring the homie hype into everything, man. That's that's really what, what it boils down to. Cause like So if you if you feel like contacting us for anything, questions, things to read on the podcast, or you know, just maybe starting up a conversation. Questionableguidecast at gmail.com. Have some homie hype and thanks for listening. Woo! Kiss my dad, please.